0: I'm thankful we have the opportunity, as uh, even as our church, to give thanks. I'm thankful that we live in a country that sets aside a day for Thanksgiving. As in the history we know, the presidents, uh, even as George Washington started and asked for a day of Thanksgiving, and then eventually Abraham Lincoln enacted that we should have a national day of Thanksgiving every year on the fourth Thursday or the last Thursday of November. Uh, it's it's an encouragement that we uh, live in a place that we are able to give thanks. And I always wonder, if you don't give thanks to God, who do you give thanks to? And we get the opportunity to give thanks to our God today. And we have a psalm that we see very clearly that directs us to give thanks to God uh, and praise Him. So if you would, go to Psalm 100. We've been reading this psalm. Uh, Together uh, each each week this month and we'll read it again uh, one more time today and uh, look at this I'll read it and you follow along but let me before we read it as you go as you're going to Psalm 100 Let me encourage you about a couple of things when you're reading the Word of God start with a question that says what does this say about God instead of What is my circumstance and how does this affect it start with the question? What does this say about God? And then ask the question, how should I respond to God? And this this passage is going to talk to us about this. What does it say about God? And then how do we respond? Second, in this psalm, I want to encourage you, when it when you look at it, it says a title. It says a psalm for giving thanks or a psalm for thanksgiving. It's telling us what it's about. It's very clear. And so we can ask a few questions when we look at the psalm. Very first question a lot of times we should ask when we're looking at the Word of God is why? So why should we give thanks? What is the reason? Then we would ask other questions, just those questions that are very good. How do we give thanks? Who do we give thanks to? When should we give thanks? Where should we give thanks? When we ask questions like that, why, who, how, where, when, that starts to explain the Word of God very clearly. Third, as we look at this and we read it, I want you to look and notice seven imperatives, compa- commands, go and do this. And it's just implied use. There's not there's not a you in it, but it's telling us to do something. You're going to see seven of those. Make, serve, come, know, enter, give, and bless. And fourth, we're going to look and as we read, you'll see verse 3 and verse 5, give us reasons for giving thanks. tells us how in these other verses and then gives us reasons how. So let's, let me read this, and I want you to pay attention to that as we read. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is good. He is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. I want us to look first, and if you didn't get an outline, uh, they were in the back, but if you don't have one, it'll be on the screen here. The first point, we want to give thanks to the Lord because He owns us and He shepherds us. And hopefully you can read it, and if not, uh, get, get it from your neighbor. So, give thanks to the Lord because He owns us and He shepherds us. And so how, what do we we're gonna see that reason in verse 3, but we're gonna look, how do we do that? And it starts, starts off in verse 1, by shouting joyful praise. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Really, this verse, this word is even interpreted in Psalm 66, 1, shout to the Lord. It's, it's exuberance. If you've seen a playoff game and a victory by your favorite football team, people are shouting for joy. This is really that word commanding us to shout for joy. And he's calling on not just the people of God, but all the earth to call on and shout to joy for the Lord. And what do we do after that? Verse two says we serve him with gladness. We go beyond just shouting joyful praise. We actually move from our head and our voice making noise to actually serving the Lord because we know He's good. We serve Him with gladness. The way it says serve is interesting. It makes me think, and actually the way that we could translate this is even even the way you serve God is the way you worship God. It makes me think of Romans 12.1 where it says, I appeal to you, bro- brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual worship? How do we serve God? It's by how do we serve God with gladness? It's by worshiping him. It's by in everything we do, we serve others. The lawyer, There was a lawyer in Matthew 22 that came and asked Christ, what is the greatest command? And God, And Christ said, the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And he said, also, the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Serving the Lord with gladness should also lead to us serving other people with gladness too. Serving God should always lead to serving His people. Sometimes we think, I'm going to serve God alone. And then we forget, actually, the way we serve God is usually by influencing other people for the gospel and for His glory. So the psalmist says, serve the Lord with gladness. Then he says, he goes on uh, continuing, he says, come into his presence with singing. How do we serve or how do we give thanks to God? It's by shouting praise, it's by serving him, and it's by singing in his presence. It's a command that invites us in. This command isn't just a remote command, but it actually is one that is beautiful because God invites us into his presence. Come into his presence with singing. It's not one that's filled with fear and dread and hatreds toward God. It actually is inviting us to come into God's presence and give praise, especially in singing to Him. Now, this building is just a cinder block building. If you go and try and run into these walls, there's not much give to them. It's just a hard, really hard cinder block building. Been built almost 40, almost 50 years ago. This building really is just a building. But these people are the people that make us a congregation, that make us a church. And when we gather together as people, we get, we know even in, in the Gospel, God's, uh, Christ says when two or three are gathered together, there I am. And we know even this joining together as a Gospel gathering of Faith Baptist Church, this is when we should come together and sing. Come into His presence and sing. Shout out to your Lord and sing to God. You may be down and had a difficult week. Could have been one of the roughest weeks of your life. News that you may not have wanted to hear. And even if you don't feel like you can sing, come and listen to your brothers and sisters in Christ singing out. And even as you hear them sing, and as you're frustrated or going through difficulty, it encourages your heart. And eventually, when we hear that over and over, we want to join in and sing as well. Sing to the Lord. And why do we do this? Well, verse 3 tells us, and it kind of gives an explanation of why we do this in the first two two verses. He tells us the reason for being able to rejoice, the reason to serve, the reason to sing, and it's as followed. It says in verse 3 there, know that the Lord, He is God. It's an imperative telling us, know, know this, but He's telling us something about God. He's saying, know God, We should know Him in our personal relationship with Him, but He's telling us specifically things about God. Know that the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, He is God. He is our King. We confess Him as Lord. It's an imperative telling us to praise Him as the one and only God. The Lord and Creator of all things. And He tells us what He wants to know in the next three. what he wants us to know in this verse. He tells us to know that he's God, but know he is God, know that he made us, know that he owns us, and know that he shepherds us. We know from Colossians 1, he made us, that Christ is actually even in, uh, has, has a part in creation. It says in Colossians 1, Christ created th- all things, and by his, by his power, he holds them all together. We know God created all things, Christ had a part in it, the Holy Spirit did. He made us. He created us. He owns us. And he tells us that. He tells us in verse 3, "He we are his." And it's actually interesting in this phrase right here, "We are his, we are his people." You may think, "Well, maybe the psalmist was just, you know, made an error and copied and wrote the same thing again." I think it's an emphasis on God's covenant people and he's obviously writing this psalm to Israel but we as children of God because we entered into the covenant of Christ because he's redeemed us because he saved us we get we are God's people we realize God's telling us specifically two times even there if you have a even if your life is so difficult and things have been terrible, you look at this and know this truth. We are His. And he repeats it. We are His people. What a blessed thought to know that we've been redeemed by Christ. What a blessed thought to know that we are His and He owns us. And not we ourselves, as it says in other, in other versions. And then it says very clearly that we are the sheep of His pasture. We aren't simply some tool that he owns that a carpenter or a mechanic would use and just set aside. That just part of his collection in the toolbox. That wrench is just as special as any other wrench. And if I lose it, I can go to, you know, Home Depot and buy another one or wherever you like to do your shopping. No, we see very clearly God saying we are his. We are his people and we're not just some possession. We're actually sheep of his pasture. Makes me think of Psalm twenty three and we rejoice that he is the good shepherd. But this makes me think of Jesus Christ. And if you would, go to John chapter ten. Go to John chapter chapter ten. And this clearly tells us that we're not just God's sheep. We're not just put out in a pasture uncared for. We are his sheep that are loved and cared for. John chapter ten and verse seven. John chapter ten and verse seven Christ is saying here in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them, scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And Christ says again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Just as the Father knows me. And I, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The children of Israel reading Psalm 100 wouldn't have had the privilege to be able to look into the New Testament and see this in John chapter 10. But we as people, after Christ and having the New Testament, we can look at this and see not just in, in Psalm 110 that we are in His pasture, we can see it from John 10 that, that Jesus is our Good Shepherd. He laid down His life for us. He gave His life so that we may be part of His people. And He personally cares for us. And if your life is difficult and things are going on, know that this standing never changes. We are His. He owns us. Christ calls us His own. He is the Shepherd. And He laid down His life for us no eternal harm will ever come to any any sheep that is cared for by the shepherd the great shepherd will never allow harm to come to us we are eternally secure in him let me encourage you if you don't know Christ if you've never trusted him if you've never accepted him as your savior and said let him be my shepherd today As we get to give thanks to God and we celebrate with a meal, today would be a wonderful day to you. In the greatest way you can express thanks to God, you would say, God, I repent of my sins. I turn from it and I trust You because You are a good shepherd. You want me to be in Your pasture. You're going to care for me eternally. Let me encourage you, if you've never turned from your sin and trusted Christ, do that today. The Good Shepherd calls out, and we can give thanks to Him. The second portion of this psalm shows us that we can give thanks not only because we, He owns us and He shepherds us, but also we can give thanks because God is eternally good. We give thanks to the Lord, the second part of this, that because God is eternally good. How do we do this? Again, it tells us these reasons why. Another one of those imperatives. In verse 4, enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Very clearly, tabernacle or temple language for Israel. Enter into this. And we know that we can be part of His sheep in His pasture as Jesus said. He is the way. And he said in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. And we can enter in and give thanks and praise to God because we have access to Him through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, our King, the Good Shepherd, has given us access. Praise His name. And he says, continuing on there in Psalm 100 and verse four, give thanks to Him, bless His name. Two more commands. Now in the Old Testament, as you would enter into the as you would enter into the temple, you would usually bring a sacrifice. And I think this language is here, going into the courts with praise, into His His presence. What would you bring? It would be a spotless lamb. Praise God, Christ took that and was our spotless lamb. And He rose from the grave and can give us eternal life. But what do we give as an offering to God? We bring and we give offering of thanks and praise, blessing His name. And why do we do that? Why do we praise the Lamb, the worthy Lamb? Look in verse 5. 4. That word tells us this is like a because. This is the reason why. Why do we enter into his gates? Why do we praise him? Because, and the psalmist tells us about his character, because God is eternally good, he's eternally loving, and he's eternally faithful. He's good in all that he does, God is eternally good in all that He does. All throughout the Bible, we hear over and over, God is good. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's one of His foundational characters. God is good and it never changes. Yesterday, today, and forever, He's always the same. He's eternally good. And He's also eternally loving. It says in verse 5, His steadfast love endures forever. What a beautiful phrase emphasizing His love. It's not just love. It's steadfast love. It's not just steadfast love. It's steadfast love that endures forever. What more could you say? What more could you say in your Valentine's card to your wife? I love you. My steadfast love endures forever. Well, that would be beautiful. That's what God says to us. His steadfast love endures forever. And you don't have to turn there, but let me read what this steadfast love sounds like from Christ in Romans 8.35. Romans 8.35-39 8, through 39 says this, And think about the steadfast love of Jesus to His people. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the steadfast love of God that endures forever. Isn't that a reason to give thanks today? Isn't it a reason to shout praise to Him? Isn't it a reason to enter into His gates with singing? Isn't it a reason to come in every Sunday morning with the other group of believers and say, we get to praise You, God, because Your steadfast love endures forever. And he ties it again to the last part of verse 5. He's eternally faithful. Over and over, we see the steadfast faithfulness of God to all generations. Exodus 34, 6 says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God's foundational character, who He is, is good, loving, and faithful forever. He remains faithful to generation and generation. Despite that I'm unfaithful, He remains faithful. Despite my sinfulness ever before me, He remains faithful. Despite that we give insufficient praise and we don't say thank you enough to Him, He remains faithful. Despite the fact that we grumble and complain daily, He remains faithful. So I call on you today, give thanks to Him. Unbeliever, if you're here that you have not trusted Christ, let me encourage you again. Today today, today can be the day of salvation. If you don't know Christ as your Savior and you've never submitted to Him as Lord, I ask you, why not? Call on Him today. He is the good King that loves us forever, that's eternally good and faithful. What else is worth following in this life but Jesus? Give your life to Him. He died for you. Give your life to Him. He lives for you. Give your life to Him. Trust Him Because eternally He will keep you secure with Him. Believers, let me encourage you today. Live a life that is marked by thanksgiving to God. Let me ask you, is your life lived in constant praise to Him? Is it lived in gratefulness to God? Or is your life a constant rehashing of all the problems and all the complaints that you have? So many of us as believers read this passage and walk away from it. And live a life of constant complaints and frustration because we don't live a life praising God. They'll say amen to this passage and say praise God and walk away grumbling about everything in life. The weather's cold. My car's not good enough. My house isn't nice enough. My wife, my husband, my whatever it is. And we complain about everything. My football team is one of my big complaints. But our lives should be marked by eternal constant praise to our eternally good and loving and steadfast God. And you realize, most of our complaints and most of our frustrations are centered around circumstances. You have a bad day, so you complain. Your kids are frustrating, so you complain. Your health isn't what you thought it should be, you complain. Your life isn't looking like you wanted it to be, so you complain. The people in your job annoy you, you complain. And all those are circumstantial. And those can change from day to day. And one day you have a good day and you're like, man, God, you're so good. The next day you have a bad day and you're like, where are you, God? And believe me, this is how I live. This is the human emotional roller coaster that we live. But none of this in this passage relies on our circumstances. Circumstances. Verse 3 and verse 5 talk about our God who is steadfast and good. He owns us. He shepherds us. None of that changes. From day to day, those are constant. No matter how bad your day gets, no matter how bad your years have gone, no matter how terrible things look, these things remain the same. He owns us. He shepherds us. He loves us. He's steadfast and faithful and good. Our health changes. He's still always God. He's still always our Creator. Our job doesn't work out. We're still His people. He's always our Lord. Our kids don't do what we think they should. Our family frustrates us. God's still our Shepherd. He's eternally good and eternally faithful. Let me encourage you. To give thanks to him. James Montgomery Boyce wrote a commentary on Psalms, and he says this Sickness may come, yet we are his. We may lose a job, yet we are his. Suppose death should come into our immediate family. We are his. We will always be his. So rejoice, serve God with gladness, sing and enter into his presence and give praise and thanks. Why why do we bless His name? Why do we give thanks like that continually? Well, because of this. And He tells us in these verses. Why do we do that? Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people. And we are the sheep of His pasture. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness to all generations. I'm going to pray. Then we'll sing a song that gives glory to God. Let me encourage you, if you've never trusted Christ, come to one of us as pastors and we'll get to talk to you about Christ and accepting Him. And if you've struggled with giving thanks to God, join the crowd. Repent of it and join with me today as we give thanks to God. Let's pray. Father, we get to go and have a meal together. Lord, I pray that You would strengthen us as we eat, bless the food as we eat. But Lord, even more, join our hearts, join our mouths in united praise to You. Lord, strengthen us to be able to go out from here no matter how terrible the circumstance. Help us to be able to lift eternal praise to Your name. Lord, You are so good. Thank You that Your steadfast love endures forever. Lord, for those here that don't know You as their Savior, that are still wondering, are You worth it to give their life to? I pray, Lord, that they would see their sin for what it is, that they would repent and trust You, continue to convict and call them to You. Thank You, Lord, for how good You are. In Jesus' name, Amen.